Hey friends, you're listening to the Hope and Heart Pills podcast, where we are exploring the intersection between racial justice and pop culture and also seeking practical insight for social progress. I'm one of your hosts, Andre Henry. And I am Trishes. And we've got a great conversation for you as always. You just heard Caesar by Trishes. And let's get into it. Trish, how are you doing right now? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good. What's happening? Um, you know, I've been a, a I've been a lot on the internet lately. Um, which a lot on super, the internet. <laughs> I've been on the internet a lot. Um, it's absorbing a lot of my mind. But um just trying to, you know, touch grass as the kids say. Touch grass what does that mean? <laughs> uh it <laughs> I just don't means know like what that means. <laughs> We're not one of the kids anymore. Um, it means like get outside. No, like, get I'm off, not. Get off, get offline. Ah, well, there you go. There we have it. Andre's learning so much today. Yeah. What's new with you? Um, I am finally in my apartment in Hollywood. I'm back in the That's states exciting. for a while. Um, for those watching, you can see the boxes in my kitchen that's i'm in a studio apartment so everything's like in one room um except for of course the kitchen and there's you know, a little nook before the bathroom so i'm in hollywood i bought some plants they are uh i i didn't realize maybe everyone's not like this but i'm like an extreme empath so all i'm thinking about the experience of these other living beings in my apartment mm-hmm. that cannot speak english <laughs> I do so sometimes feel really that. bad for my plants. And then I'm like, it's a plant. It's fine. Like when I have to like. Why do you feel them? bad for them? Mm. Because when, when they die or I have to prune them, I'm like, sorry, guy. Sorry, I'm taking this part of you <laughs> away from you. Sorry. Sorry, but buddy. I did plant kale. Sorry, See, not... I did go touch. I went to touch grass. I went outside. I planted kale. I planted flowers. My dog will probably dig them up, but um, it's the thought that counts, I think. You have a yard over there? I don't have a yard, but on my balcony, I, me and my parents made a garden box, and it had, like, succulents mm. in it, and my dog eventually, like, dug up most of them, because he just likes to go sit on the dirt. He just likes to sit on, he's uh, sitting on the dirt right now. That's what he's doing. And right so now. he's like, get out of my way, plant. I'm a- yeah. But um, I'm hoping some of the kale survives and some of the flowers survive. That's my only, my only hope. Well, here's to hoping. Other than that, I'm just working on my EP. I'm in the final stretch. But I heard that artists like to get close to finishing things and not doing it. That's what I've heard. That that's like a common thing. Yeah. So like I have like, Three more songs to finish, and then the EP mm-hmm. is done, which I started yeah. recording the vocals for one of the three last night. And if I can keep that up this week, I'll probably finish my EP Whoa. Uh, this week or, or next week. And That's um, fast. You're, you work I'm, fast. <laughs> I do. I surprise myself with how fast I can work now. 
And um, especially because I'm mixing and mastering uh, on my own now, too. So that is really helpful yeah. um, to have a time frame. So, And I really want to get it out in May because the songs I have are very much about mental health. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month. There's Mental mm-hmm. Health Action Day, I believe, on May 10th. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm aiming for. So that's what's going on with me. Cool. Yeah, I've been recording a little <laughs> bit. What? Yeah, are you working on a project or single? Just having fun? I'm going to re- I'm gonna release some singles, like, probably in the fall. But just playing around. And I started pitching my book proposal like three weeks ago um awesome so that's exciting awesome um i've gotten good responses so far i've gotten some interest so hopefully i can move that process along because yeah i've been like building up my tiktok so i can put this book out i really plan ahead you know i don't have an agent i don't have a book deal (laughs) but i am preparing my my marketing strategy <laughs> it's good though because first off it really does help to have an audience to help to have a platform already as an author that helps that's, sure that's attractive does. to publishers for everyone who's listening and the other thing is that a lot of publishers for those of you listening that want to publish a book a lot of publishers don't do that great on the publicity of the book anyway i shouldn't mm. say it that, that way basically it's in the author's hands, basically, is what I'm saying, is that when you publish a book or are publishing a book as an author, the publisher is going to ask you, so who do you know? Mm. <laughs> what yeah, kind of connections do you have? I'm coming at mm-hmm. it as a musician where I just do everything anyway. So I assume I'm going to be doing everything, you know? I'm like, okay, like I have strategized as if. I have an agent and a book deal, um, which I think is also mm-hmm. good for manifesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So also this week, I got Botox. Why would you do that? <laughs> well, Andre, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons. Um, I do feel ethically conflicted about it. I will say that. Um So I want to talk to you all about beauty and beauty is a privilege and a power and how beauty isn't really supposed to be attainable after the break. Everyone, you just listened to Tandy Way by Andre Henry himself. So today, Andre, we're going to talk about beauty and that beauty is not supposed to be accessible. I've been thinking a lot about that lately because I feel like there is a big shift in beauty culture happening. And I think it is about both race and class. So earlier, we were talking about how I got Botox, and I felt ethically conflicted about it because I used to think everyone should do whatever they want to feel good about themselves. And then I realized, like, oh, that's, like, really 
capitalist individualist thinking that I'm not super on board with. And so now I'm really of the belief that um, we need to do what's best for the collective. And I think that also applies to beauty culture. So if we're doing things that are perpetuating Eurocentric beauty standards and perpetuating ageism, then we are participating in that harmful structure. So that's sort of the ethical dilemma. What does the, can you connect the dots here between, you said racism and classism, Mm -hmm. ageism, and Mm -hmm. another one, another ism that I'm forgetting. A lot of isms. Can you connect, but I think that for a lot of people, as soon as you say racism, I think maybe capitalism was the other one. Um, I don't know. How, How are these things connected for you? Well, yeah, I know it's a lot. So beauty in a capitalist structure has to be unattainable. That's how products are sold to us. Beauty in a structure of white supremacy that goes hand in hand with capitalist structure um, is has the ideal of white womanhood. But that ideal of white womanhood uh. also has its own hierarchy that includes youth. So I think Uh there is a reason that youth is so glorified, biological reasons, sure, but also social reasons, because the smarter a woman gets, the older she gets usually. Um, And so beauty Mm -hmm. is this kind of power that you can wield that will always be wielded against you. And that's something Mm -hmm. I'm grappling with now that I'm seeing signs of myself aging it's like Mm. wow this thing that has always been a power and a privilege of mine i'm i'm going to lose it i'm starting to lose it so Mm. that's why i was so conflicted um oh and then yeah did i cover capitalism i covered racism (laughs) i covered ageism and i forget (laughs) the other ism (laughs) um Oh, classism. Yes, because yeah. beauty is supposed to be something that is natural, but it is always mm-hmm. achieved. It is usually achieved in a capitalist society through wealth. So mm. I am noticing a shift back to more natural beauty, and I want to get into that mm-hmm. in a little bit. But um Back to why I feel ethically conflicted is because me getting Botox is perpetuating that system. So you feel like as an individual, when you as an individual do that, that it has mm-hmm. that much of an impact on on that, or is it just it doesn't matter how small the part that you're playing is, you're still playing into it. And Well, this is how I sort of justify it. And it is because Mm -hmm. I am such a small player that I justify it. Like, I do not Mm -hmm. think I have a whole lot of um, visibility. I mean, you know, I have my small platforms Mm -hmm. and I'm really proud of that. But Mm -hmm. I do think that if I was more known and more successful, I would have an obligation Mm -hmm. to not get Botox. But I mm-hmm. feel because I'm so I'm I'm this small fish 
I don't know if it's up to me to give up my little amount of power I have, my little <laughs> amount of privilege I have, right? So yeah. it, it feels like, I feel like I'm scrambling to like attain other types of power before I lose one of the biggest ones I've had throughout my life. Oh, wow. Wow. So you're, I mean, that's, that's like a thought that passes through your head. It's like, what, what will, what power will I have when I become invisible? Cause this is, this is actually what someone said to me the other day. Um, mm -hmm. They said, eventually, you know, like you live your whole life and everywhere you go, there's some man staring at you, trying to buy you a drink, trying to get your number, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And eventually you age out of that and you become invisible. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that I'm like necessarily watching that happen, but there is men love youth and men don't, men don't only love youth because you look youthful. Men love youth because mm. you lack wisdom. Um, and mm. this is where we would press our, not all men, but <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, the way I, I've been thinking about it is like, I wouldn't be upset with a person for um, shopping at Walmart, yeah. but I have, I have, I have the disposable income to, um, to be more selective with how I spend my money. Right. Like, so I have that mm -hmm. power. So I don't think it's okay for me because I am able to shop in a more ethical way, if you want to call it that. Um, I'm able mm -hmm. to shop in a more sustainable way where workers are getting paid fairly. But for the people who aren't able to afford that, that's not a moral failing of them. That's a moral failing of the system. Yeah. So I think that's how... Currently, I am viewing beauty, but I do think that people with more power and visibility um, should be pushing back against perpetuating these systems of beauty. And that's the opposite of what um, is happening. Like, I, I feel like right now, the shift I'm seeing is, you know, mm -hmm. in the 2010s, in the 2010s, we were like big in the place of, um, of appropriating black culture and beauty. So it's when we had like the popularization of like BBLs and um, mm -hmm. of like black aesthetics appropriated by white women. Mm -hmm. And I am seeing the pendulum swing back now. Really? Mm-hmm. So like there's, you know, we, we were talking about um, black China last week black china yes yes who has gone back um, to her legal name as angela white yes be careful googling that it. name y'all <laughs> because <laughs> there's another very popular angela white out there that is that you know her business is not suitable for work so i would <laughs> i would still google black china if i were you right now especially yeah. if you're at work um but black china recently got her Butt implants and breast implants removed, and her face, and, facial and lip fillers. Yeah, facial injections. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if it's lip fillers or like cheek fillers. I think it's I in the know. cheeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was in the cheeks. I think you're right. 
Yeah. But, um, you know, and then, like, I think last year is when Kim Kardashian got her BBL removed. And I did it, not know that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good and now there's this whole there's this whole Ozempic trend. Do you know about this? What is that? No, I've Ozempic, not heard about this. <laughs> it's a medication that was made for people with diabetes that celebrities are taking now because it does something to your insulin levels that makes you not hungry. Wait a minute. <laughs> so I think we're going back. I think we're going back to that 90s, like, super thin white yes. model thing. Yes. I heard Jamila Jamil actually uh, go on a, an impassioned rant about this on Instagram a few weeks ago. Because yeah. she was saying, I don't remember what they called it. Something chic. I can't remember right now. But she was like, we are not going back to that, you know. Mm -hmm. But apparently mm -hmm. we are. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm seeing that with thinness, but I'm also seeing it with whiteness. So there's an article recently by a writer named Steffi Cow, and it is called White Women Want Their Power Back. And in it, she's whoa, talking about. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. <laughs> Flag on the play. <laughs> well, okay, I'm sorry. That uh, that title makes me nervous. That doesn't make you nervous. What are we talking about here? Because <laughs> well, in the in the article, this is the other shift that um I have also been noticing in beauty culture is the shift back to trends that do not explicitly stay, state that they are excluding women of color, but are not particularly inviting to women of color. Mm -hmm. So trends mm -hmm. like the vanilla girl aesthetic or the clean girl aesthetic. And it's not like it's impossible to participate in these trends if you're a woman of color, but it's like literally in the name, vanilla girl aesthetic. It's about Yeah, I was about ages. to say, I, <laughs> I don't know what those, I don't know what either of those things are, but <laughs> one of them does not sound like it's for black women. <laughs> <laughs> they're both like about it's both like minimalist neutrals um really light makeup um but most of the tutorials and stuff you'll see on the internet about clean girl aesthetics or vanilla girl aesthetics it's like straight blonde hair thin white woman wearing very little makeup or makeup that like you really couldn't wear as a woman of color because it wouldn't makes sense um and so i'm so i'm seeing these shifts back in both thinness and in whiteness um and in the article steffi is kind of talking about um that she sees this as a as a pendulum swing from mm -hmm. the appropriation of blackness and I think there is there is sort of a, a reckoning that's going to happen in the beauty culture space because it seems like we're just going to go, we're just going back 30 years to a place that was not very inviting to larger bodies. I mean, we still, we don't live in a world that's inviting to larger bodies, but I think even growing up, I felt like I wasn't thin enough. 
because I was a kid during like that 90s era. Um, Mm -hmm. So I feel like we're going back to that. And I read a tweet um, a few days ago. I searched all morning for it. I couldn't find it. But the Mm -hmm. writer was basically saying, if the barista at Starbucks can have all the fillers and the um, implants that you can, because like, the cost of those things has become way more affordable for an average person Mm. than what Mm -hmm. makes you unique. And that's sort of the mindset of the people pursuing the height of beauty is that what makes me unique if everyone can have all these things I've had. And I think now the harder thing to obtain is quote unquote natural beauty and thinness. Why do you think that beauty needs to be a moving target in a in a society like ours? I think it is well, I think capitalism, first of all, if it's not a moving target, what are they gonna sell to you? You know, if you are enough the way you are, then you don't need to buy the things. So yeah. I think that's a big part of it is the capitalist culture. Um I don't think I do wonder about like the Eurocentricity of it because even though there has been the appropriate creation of black culture and beauty culture for the past 20 years, um, I think that standard of Eurocentric beauty has remained. So because it was only the white women that were allowed to appropriate black culture and yeah, and I mean, um, I remember in the 90s when when I would see uh, a white woman on TV that was like naturally thicker, right? Curvy or whatever, right? Like, I remember, like, those women mm-hmm. were called fat. Mm-hmm. They were called fat in the 90s. Yeah. When that type, that body type was kind of, was, you know, very common when I saw, you know, even just my classmates at school. Like, you know, a lot of, not saying that all black women are thick, but I mean... Um, like you said, like there are non-black women have been able to appropriate, you know, certain features that, you know, have been associated with, with an African, with a more African physique, right? Right. And be called beautiful. Kim Kardashian is a great example of that, right? Like, you know, Kim Kardashian was very, very, I almost said it in Spanish. I I was in Colombia for too long. (laughs) Opera, you know, a, but. You know, she she had all these operations and she does it. She she broke the Internet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's telling, you know, that when when she did that one magazine cover with the champagne glass on her on her butt. Yeah. And the, the it was like sh- paper or something. It? Yes. Um, <clears throat> people were bringing up Sarah Bartman, you know, who was an enslaved African woman centuries ago. That mm-hmm. was literally, you know, objectified, put on display as this e- exotic, you know, specimen. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, there, you see that you see the difference there in in these aesthetics. So, as you were talking about the Eurocentrism, it's even interesting to me that, like, you know, non-black women have been able to appropriate these aesthetics and. Uh, be admired for them, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, a lot of black women 
have that that still did not become the standard of beauty, right? Mm-hmm. If that is, right. is what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know if it's making sense, but it did. It still it, didn't beca- it still didn't become black women being the standard of beauty or those right. features of of uh, that that are associated with African physique. And I I feel weird saying that because Africa is such a diverse totally. continent with so many different types of uh, skin tones and body types and all that kind of stuff. But you know. I think we are talking in stereotypes <laughs> right now or generalizations at the rate. Well, know. I think there is a like fat phobia and anti-blackness are um grew up together in in yes. western culture. Yes, absolutely. Um absolutely. And because because black bodies were stereotyped. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, like uh fatness was not looked at some looked at as some sort of um moral like failing until it was used to um sort of like villainize the caricature of a black body mm-hmm. so so i think elements of beauty in the west and beauty in america have stayed stagnant but i think the part that that why it is always a moving target is because race relations change and people start to gain more power and privilege, but also because uh, that's the way capitalism works, but also the because that's the way classism works. You know, like the people on, you know, the only the most powerful powerful people had sugar, right? And then mm-hmm. once everyone had sugar, then it was like, no, now we're right. going to be skinny. Right, exactly. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah. Because you need you need to have something. Like capitalism seems to thrive on these in and out groups, these mm-hmm. and these us and them mentalities. And so once you democratize something, like in this case we're talking about beauty, then, you know, who are the elites? <laughs> right? Once once that area has been democratized, Mm-hmm. And one thing that that this brings up that this reminds me of is reading, you know, about um about patriarchy a bit and talking about how this elusive beauty standard definitely first off keeps women buying things so that they can, you know, uh try to attain that aesthetic but also for people who are <sighs> All right, I call it sleepwalking, okay? <laughs> like because we have woke, which I'm never going to give up by the way because we invented the word us black people. And if y'all are tired of it, stop saying it. <laughs> you know, but but that word belongs to us. So, um so as I, so those who are sleepwalking under the the oppressor's common sense, right? The patriarchal common sense is that I think that it keeps this culture where women are constantly trying to um, impress men, you mm-hmm. know, like it's such a I distraction. I know that there are a lot of women who, you know, you dress up, you get dolled up for yourselves. You know, that's that's a huge part of our common sense now. And not that my opinion matters on this, but I think it's great. But I do also just from just from listening to the conversations that are being had. In the the shallow end of the black manosphere, which I have finally found, I found the coast of the black manosphere. Amazing. I have not, 
ventured into the the island yet quite because I don't know the way, but I have found the shore. And the way that they're talking about these black men are talking about black women is, you know, they keep bringing up wigs and makeup and fake eyelashes and all these other things. You know, and in some way they are saying, you know, we would like for women to have a more natural aesthetic. Now, I think this is bullshit. <laughs> I think this is bullshit because I think that honestly, this is just men trying to police how women look and what mm. they do. Because at the end of the day, like these men might say these things on TikTok, but they're still you know, they're still dating women that, you know, that have those very things that they're criticizing on, online in public, right? Hmm. So, um, so, but still, it still is this moving target thing. The reason why I went into all of that is because I kind of see that dynamic where these patriarchal men are kind of, you know how like when you're in a relationship with, I bring this, bring this down to the individual and we can zoom out and, and apply it to the collective again. But you ever been with someone who kind of negs you so that you become obsessed with their approval? <laughs> you know, um, I know this is the thing that or happens. maybe heard about it. <laughs> I've heard about it because yeah. if a man does that to me, yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, I'm great. So bye. Like, <laughs> yeah. You must not be very intelligent <laughs> because you cannot see how great I am. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real about all of this. Um, yeah. So, but you know, that's the thing that happens. So I feel like that kind of dynamic is happening or, or there is that there's a group of men, of patriarchal men that are trying to do that to women, right? trying to make them feel ashamed of the way they present mm, themselves. Yeah. Right? By saying, oh, you shouldn't be wearing this and you shouldn't be wearing that and no man wants this and no man wants that, da-da-da-da-da. Right? So that they become, you know, uh, concerned about the mm -hmm. way that men view them and then, you know, they will comply. And yeah. even though these things are not, they're not talking about, you know, they're not saying, you know, you need to go in the kitchen and make your man a sandwich or something like that. But any way I think that you can get someone to be concerned with gaining your, your approval, mm -hmm. if you're concerned with power and domination, it doesn't matter what you get them to do. Right. This is, yeah. this is just, this is just training. It's just grooming. Yeah. Right? So, so anyway, I feel like these are ways that the capitalist patriarchal system maintains itself, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're obsessed with gaining the approval of men, <laughs> right, and men are running the ad agencies and all this kind of stuff, which I know this is different now, but it, imagine this is Mad Men era, which by the way, such a boring show. I think it was overrated. <laughs> I know some of you are going to hate me for that, but I watched every episode just because I wanted to understand the hype. And at the end, I was like, yeah, what? <laughs> that, that was it? Anyway, I digress. Um, but um, you have these women, if you can get these women to be obsessed with what men think of them, right? Mm-hmm. And then get them to continually buy products so that they can continue to try to earn the favor of men, right? That's how that system kind of um, 
reinforces itself, as well as the common sense that reinforces that system. So anyway, that's just what it. Yeah, totally. And it's it is a distraction from. I mean, I think most of the the cogs of capitalism are a distraction, but um, mm-hmm. there's a thing called body monitoring. I read a book called Ooh. Beauty Sick. And they mm-hmm. um, had girls do, I think, math tests. And some of them did them in bathing suits. And some of them did them in regular clothes. And mm-hmm. all of the girls that took them in bathing suits did worse. Because women are used to constantly monitoring our bodies for how they look all the time. And it takes up mm. a tremendous amount of our mm brain capacity so it's such a distraction Mm -hmm. to be and i think i sort of that's how i sort of decided to train my brain maybe seven or eight years ago when i was pretty concerned with my weight um and i just started to think like i started to to train my brain to be like what else can you be thinking about right now that you're not thinking about Mm. because you're so focused on like how you look and like why are you so important that you need to look a certain way um and but i acknowledge like that's a privilege that i'm able to do that because like i'm an average sized woman i'm Mm. a conventionally attractive woman in a lot of ways so i'm not facing the kind of societal pressure that women with larger bodies or women that are darker than me and black women are facing. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but I did use that idea of distraction to, um, to sort of rewire my brain. Although Mm. I, I do like live in a body that societally allowed me to do that as well. Yeah. Um, I just, for people who are watching the video and saw the face I made when Trish said she's conventionally attractive, I would like to clarify. Um, I don't mean this in a flirtatious way. I mean this in a scientific way. You're conventionally above average. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, if you, if you've only, if you're only listening to this, Trish is a 10 on a scale from one to nine. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So, so. Very sweet. Yeah. Again, scientifically speaking. <laughs> so it's um, the science. It's do it's the, just science. It's just science. Argue um, with argue with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um <laughs> but no, I do I do hear what you're saying. Um and I wondered because when you started going into, you know, how you retrained your brain, um this that's exactly along the line of the question I was gonna ask is okay, so you have this you have this whole thing. And I remember you mentioned asking before, why do we need to be beautiful? Right? Mm-hmm. What do we need beauty for? Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, what do you do with this information? Right? You know that, you know that we live in a society that wants us to be preoccupied with that. And it's not just women. I'm preoccupied with it too. I, I look at my weight, you know, all the time. I'm look every morning I check my I check how how far my stomach is poking poking out when I look in the mirror, you know. And I know mm-hmm. that that's not great. I know that that's a terrible thing because someone told me that I was unattractive, you know, in in Colombia and that I was gaining too much weight, which is something that I wasn't concerned about at all. But it is a distraction for us. And when you mentioned the wealth, I immediately thought of 
Kumail Nanjiani when he got the part in the the uh, Eternals, the Marvel yeah. movie. And he took that picture and he was talking about how, honestly, you know, it's because he had a Marvel contract that he could attain, you know, yeah. the that level of that, that physique, you yeah. know. And so that's something I think about, honestly, like there is a part of me, I hate admitting this, um, there is a part of me that would love to look like that, you know, because of what's been associated with that kind of physique in our culture. And there's mm-hmm. also a part of me that says you would need to be rich. <laughs> you would need to be rich to be able to, to, to look like that. You would need someone else deciding what you're going to eat and someone else training you. And that's what you yeah. do during the day. You train yes. so that you can yeah. maintain that kind of physique. So anyway, what do we do to get our minds off of this and to be free from that? And also, you know, without just saying, all right, you know, well, you know, I'm just not going to brush my teeth <laughs> anymore or something. You know what I mean? Like, take it to the extreme of like, I'm just letting myself go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. As a beautiful I, person, what so is your hard. opinion? It's, it's really hard because women are just like directly affected by this. Like, you get more opportunities if you are attractive. You mm-hmm. get, you just, things come easier. And so I don't want to just be like, don't care. Like a guy on, I made a TikTok once about, about beauty. And the guy was just like, if you don't like European beauty standards, don't ascribe to them. And it's like, society is still going to judge us by those standards. So it's really about changing. It's really about changing our culture, which, Mm -hmm. you know, we're artists. And so I, I think art is a big part of that, how we're represented But I also think that addressing societal issues and the the wealth gap and addressing like the harms of capitalism will inevitably address these issues as well. Um, Mm -hmm. In the meantime, I'm not sure what all we can do is what we can do except for being mindful and when we do have small amounts of power that we use it to push against those standards so yeah i you know like this is this is such a small thing and i can't believe Mm -hmm. i'm about to like Mm -hmm. give myself a pat on the back for this but i don't (laughs) use I don't use filters. So I don't think I have enough, I don't have enough clout or success to um, age. But I think uh-huh. I can just be like, I, I don't use filters because this is like my small contribution to like, this is what a person just looks like. <laughs> um, but I think like, I think there are li- lots of little ways we can push back. And the though the whole thing is, is pretty systemic. Um, but, oh yeah, I wanted to circle back to what you were saying about wealth is that mm-hmm. the reason that like natural beauty, I think is the next frontier is because natural beauty is so much harder. Like yeah. women can learn to do their makeup and contour their faces and, you know, do all the things like you can learn to do that. And now plastic surgeries and like injections and stuff are, um, way more affordable but you know what you can't just do you can't get like more sleep 
like if if you are <laughs> working a couple jobs like but wealth does oh, allow wow. you literally like more sleep wealth allows you to go to a dermatologist wealth allows you to get facials yeah like wealth allows mm-hmm. you to feed yourself well to hydrate yourself well um yeah. there are so many like little treatments that like people around la are doing all the time to achieve natural mm-hmm. beauty so i think natural beauty is just like actually so much more expensive um wow i never even thought of that because when you started i thought okay but where like who will who sets the standard of what natural beauty looks like but yeah i mean okay i can't even remember right now but like the difference between when you are able to care for yourself well and when you're not can make a whole a world of you can look like a completely different person yeah I mean, I, a couple of weeks ago, I was like breaking out <clears throat> on my chin and my health insurance isn't great. Um, but I do have like a prescription that I can pick up at the pharmacy that my health insurance does not cover. Um, it's $80. So I paid $80 because I was breaking out on my chin. <laughs> and like, that is not, that is not affordable for everyone. To just yeah. be like, I yeah. want to deal with this problem. Um, yeah. So and, it's, and also in the hierarchy of problems, it's not like a major one. If someone right. doesn't have a lot of money mm-hmm. and, you know, like if I have to choose between like, um, yeah, if I, if, if I have, if I have to choose between like going and getting my tooth pulled and getting this cream for like my face. Like acne cream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get the tooth pulled, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's just it kind of goes back to what what we talk about all the time. It's like it's just a constantly keeping your privileges in mind and thinking about what those privileges can afford you, like how you can what the privileges afford you in terms of how you can push back against those systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate that you brought it back to a systemic idea because, you know, coming from my background, when I think about collective action, you know, sometimes, sometimes we have to understand like when taking an individual stand might not actually be, uh, safe for the individual right yeah and i'm lit i'm right now thinking more so about you know black and people of color and indigenous people where like you can know that something in principle is wrong but in you taking just an individual stand like like if you were to say okay or a woman to say i'm I'm not gonna wear makeup anymore at all you know as an individual mm-hmm. right I mean, that could actually be detrimental to you because the structure is not shifting with you, you know? Yeah, totally. So, you know, if we're playing a game like rocks, paper, scissors, except, you know, individual and institution are two of, are two of the options, right. individual usually loses to institution, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. More often than not. So sometimes it's about understanding the terrain and navigating wisely 
and finding ways that you can push back, like you said, you know, with yourself or with a group of people, you know, that is pushing for that, you know, and I, I think that we have, I hope that if this swing is going the other way, that folks like like Lizzo is someone who comes to mind, you know, and folks who have very much championed a a form of beauty that does not conform to the Euros, the Eurocentric, thin, uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed... Oh, I didn't even mention, like, a, a long time ago, I threw this book about manliness in the trash as I was walking out the subway because the man kept talking about how every man wants to rescue a golden-haired beauty, and I was like... Oh, God. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Anyway. But, you know, I, I hope that folks like that you know, we'll be able to push back in a powerful way and keep elevating these other, you know, images of beauty. Um, yeah. And it also makes me wonder about folks who have gone through like drastic transformations and what they might say about those tra transformations. I'm thinking of, I don't remember what Jonah Hill said about his body transformation. I'm thinking of Adele. I'm thinking of Sam Smith, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know enough about any of those stories to to actually try to analyze it right now, but it just brings up those ideas or those 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 folks for me to think of how they how they thought about those body transitions. But I'm hoping that I'm hoping that Lizzo is not one is not going to go down that path. Like I'm hoping that she'll yeah. that she'll continue to to do what she's been doing. That we'll get more artists like them because now this conversation also just reminds me of how important that kind of representation is. Yeah, absolutely. Got pots like sugar, but they ain't sweet. Turn it spin and it spin in the swatron heat. Turn faded and I hate it, they look greater than they should be. Fill me up with cotton candy. Pots like sugar, but they ain't sweet. Turn it spin and it spin in the swatron heat. Turn faded and I hate it, they look greater than they should be. Fill me up with cotton candy. Well, Andre. Do you think we should uh, play a game? Sure, I'd love to play a game. Are we doing the culture quiz, quiz today? We're doing a culture quiz. <laughs> okay. Which LSU player was reprimanded by white people all over the internet for taunting her opponent in the women's college basketball finals, while her white opponent, Caitlin Clark, did the same thing without any pushback? Her name is Angela Reese, right? I think it's I'm the, it's the last name I'm a little confused about. Is it? I think it's Angel Reese. Angel Reese. But that Reese. was close enough. I'm going to give that one to you. I'm, I'm still going to click the cheering button back here for myself anyway. <laughs> it says that it's Very playing, good job. but I don't hear anything. I don't hear it either. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great job. You get one yeah, point. I, I only saw, what's her name, Caitlin? What's her last name again? Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark. So I only just saw these videos of Caitlin Clark doing very black people stuff. <laughs> making very black movements on the basketball court. And I was thoroughly confused, but. Right. Yeah, I, right, right, right. And then I finally uh, heard about the, this, uh, what do you call that again? Discrimination. This discriminatory behavior towards yes. Angel Reese. Yeah, it it was a very classic, you know, black women are aggressive, blah, 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 kind of yes. trope it was playing into. 
Yes. Again, um, we don't want black people walking around here uh, filling themselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. A hundred percent. So got to um, got to got to tamp down on that one. So glad that Angel Reese is not backing down, though. I've been seeing seeing her clapping back on online. And, you know, people just need to get used to black people <laughs> yes. knowing that we're the shit. And this isn't new. Right. Like Muhammad Ali. I mean, although the man was problematic, I memorized one of his poems about himself uh, called How Great I Am. Do you remember any of it? Are we getting a yes. recital? Yes. Go, I, go, used to wake, I used to wake my nephews up with this poem when they stayed with me in New York. I, Andre, would just go, I would just burst in the room and go, I'll show you how great I am. Last night, I murdered a rock. Injured a stone, what? hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. <laughs> you know this? Yeah. Bravo. <laughs> I love that line. Right. Last night, I murdered a rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next, next one. Sorry. Uh, don't, don't be sorry. The culture quiz is, is meant for fun purposes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On the Benny Show podcast. Donald mm-hmm. Trump's attorney said that his indictment was going to boost his profile, similar to other celebrities who went to jail. Which two rappers did she compare Trump to? This is multiple I have choice. no idea. This, this is, is the first. Choice. Okay, this is multiple choice. Great, great. A. Ready, Sen and Lil Wayne. B. Tupac and Biggie. C. Two Chains and Shug Knight. Or D, Sean Combs and Mac Miller. It was Tupac and Biggie. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. His attorney definitely compared him to Tupac, Tupac and Biggie. Now I vaguely remember someone commenting on this on, on Twitter. And now I, can, now I remember. Wait, didn't Trump write a song about this? <laughs> about what's going I on? Only- I only like a little bit heard about the whole song thing. I don't actually know okay. what's going on with that. No, I'm going to look this up right now. <laughs> Please do. I'm pretty sure that Trump wrote a song about his prison woes. Wow. Trump song. I'm Googling right now. Trump song <laughs> prison. Because prison. I, I saw that SNL did a sketch about it. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. I do know this story. So there is a January 6th prisoner's choir. Okay. You ever heard about this? It's coming that back to me. did a song that did a song with Donald Trump. Oh my gosh. I'm reading. Donald Trump. And the J6 prison choir, who were jailed for their involvement in the January, January Capitol riots, have soared to number one on the iTunes chart for the song Justice for All. Wow. Ross, can we get a, Ross, can we get a clip of it? I'm going to listen to it. Wow. Right <laughs> That's, I did not realize it went to number one. That is insane. To 
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Yeah. When you mentioning Tupac and Biggie just reminded me that Donald Trump actually <laughs> and the J- and the J6 choir have released a song about his legal battle. I mean, their their white supremacist quest to uh, uh, defeat American democracy. Wow. I'm assuming that's, I'm assuming I mean, that's so what the song is about. Trump really is just like Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andre, are you ready for your last question? Mm-hmm. This one's also multiple choice. Bad Bunny has been spotted out to sushi and horseback riding with which Kardashian? Is it A, Kendall, B, Kylie, C, Kim, or D, Chloe? I thought it was Kylie. But yeah. now, I'm, now I'm not oh. sure. I'm feeling like it's Kendall. It was Kendall, wasn't it? It was Kendall. I think Bad Bunny and Kendall are together. Not that I like follow either of them very closely, what? but I know people it's are. It's like official. I think it's official. Oh my god! Well, I did. I did hear people complaining about it. You know, because yeah, because mi gente, um, talk about uh, you know, they just <laughs> refer to him as Benito on social media. You know, like some people just call him Benito, right? Because that's right. his name. And they're like, I cannot believe she gets Benito. <laughs> I was like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, good for them. I don't know. I don't know much about either of them, to be honest. I, all I know about I mean, Kendall is her Pepsi commercial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All I remember That's is that when Kendall solved racism. <laughs> when she ended racism. Yeah. By... <laughs> By giving those thirsty cops a drink. A Pepsi. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, I wish we didn't know so much about the Kardashians. That's what I'll say. I wish we didn't know so Mm. much about what's going on in their lives, you know? Okay, is that the game? um, That's the game. So you got two out of three, and I think you only win if you got all of them. I don't know. I didn't make the rules. I should make the rules, though. (laughs) Someone needs to make the rules. We don't know what success looks like in this game yet. I'm going to say three out of three is a win. Three out of three is a win. There should be Mm -hmm. dire consequences if you lose. I guess if I lose, since you're the only one quizzing. Yes. We'll think if Andre more does on not the game. pass the culture quiz, he will have to shave his locks. Wow. That's not that's happening. A little, that's a little harsh. That's, that's not happening. I should, it should be like a truth or dare situation. I should get to dare you to do something. <laughs> <laughs> Let's raise the stakes here. Um, thanks for listening this week, everyone. <laughs> we hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as we had, as we as much as we enjoyed having it. And we're gonna throw it to Ross. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for choosing to listen today. You can catch up with our hosts online. Trish's is at Trish's Music. That's spelled T-R-I-S-H-E-S Music on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Andre is at the Andre Henry on Instagram and TikTok, and at Andre Henry on Twitter. 
Catch the songs you heard today and more of their music on Spotify. If you'd like to support what we're doing here and see the video of Andre and Trisha's conversation, you can join the Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Andre Henry. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.